Since we're kind of learning each week what we want to, what we want this podcast to be, and we're obviously experimenting. This is a lot of fun to shoot the shit with each other. But we did Sheesh Cab. What is it? Sheesh Cab Bob from Bob's Burgers episode yeah. six. I think it's playing off one. of, you know, kebab. Uh, Shish kebab. If I were to watch this out of context, I'm like, oh, this is an adult show. No matter what, it's an adult show. Like, there's so many grown up jokes in this, but it's. I don't know, tasteful, I guess. And it's- well, it, it it integrates it with the family, and it doesn't pretend that these things don't exist. Like, Bob clearly doesn't try to shelter his kids from what it, what the reality of the world is. I'm sure to their detriment to some points, but, like, it goes, you know, it, I think the reason why it is a family show in some weird way, it's it's because it's like Bob is teaching a lesson. <laughs> As weird throughout the entire thing, he's 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 showing these kids kind of how to be, and you know most of the time he is until he like freaks out. But most of the time he is like that moral kind of compass that's like, can't we all just get along kind of thing? Um, so I think that's what makes it able to be a family show because there's something to there's something to learn from the wise father, but it's just set in a ridiculous but really realistic world, you know. Yeah. So okay. sorry. Before I, I started watching the show, I was like, ah, it seems like a, a nice little like family comedy. And then I watched it. I'm like, oh, wow, this show's actually fucked up. It's pretty good. Oh, because that's right. Because Manny and I have been watching it for a long time. And then you finally started watching it. Yeah, it just, I don't know, the way, like, I saw the marketing, I was like, oh, all right, maybe it's kind of like The Simpsons or something, but it's, like, way dirtier, but it's, it's funny. But there's, like, one joke in one of the episodes where it's, like, so he's talking to Mr. Fisher. He's like, do you ever do things that are, like, uh, they're not proud of? He's like... You're talking about me and illegal abortions? It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, n- nothing? Never mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, it's a, it's a fucking great show. Uh, so let's talk about the setup for the episode. It's a 50-page script, and it's a 21-minute episode, which I think is crazy when people talk about all the time. It's like a page per minute when it comes to screen time, and I think a good lesson we took out of this is it really depends on the speed of your dialogue, how many characters you have, you know. Uh, what's going on in terms of action and we were discussing about like even when we write our own stuff like this is too long this is too short so i think we all kind of learned a lesson it's like this was a 50 page script i actually when you said it it didn't click in my head and we were reading it and i got to page 30 and i'm like why are we still going i'm like oh my god this is, we still have 20 pages yeah. there was some spacing but l- let's let's call it a a good 47 page script which is still you would assume is 47 minutes of screen time, but Bob's Burgers is what, 22 minutes? I think it's also because you have so many people talking. Like you'll have Bob and Linda, then Tina, then Gene, then Louise. So they're not all given like a monologue. It'll be like, you know, they, like Louise would say something and someone would just rebut it really fast. So they're not, it's, it's almost like they have to go faster just because there's so many people because they can't all be like, well, this is my point of view. Well, this is my point of view. They have to like, be like, bah, bah, bah. They're also talking over each other a lot yeah, the way a family or people will do like we're doing right now, you know? So 
it's well, that's how conversations work you know what's funny about that is that like because you can't like do it in the script but it says like louise simultaneous uh, and then gene simultaneous really those two should be on the same line but you can't like put it that way so that's like kind of it doubles up a little bit yeah like it should be shorter can put it that way i think it's a style well you can thing. yeah yeah i think that's, like, a, that's a formatting choice because that, i i found it strange that they wouldn't put that together on the same uh, line so that would yeah, sure. obviously, obviously i know better than a professional writer yeah. well that stuff would, like that makes more sense but you know there's stuff like the aaron sorkin thing where they have literally two people saying a monologue over each other um and those are usually kind of written separately and then you know they just say like they're speaking over each other so, um so i'm saying maybe that would shorten it a little bit all those yeah it's like like if you put those on the same line maybe it knocks it down by like a page or two yeah maybe. yeah because that's something maybe i wouldn't i would do in like the, the draft before the last draft i would keep them separated but in the final draft i would probably put them together because i would need that visual i mean me myself would need that visual mm-hmm. to to make it happen so maybe for them they're looking at it like well, we'll know we we'll do this in editing, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Well, so that's cool. This was also a, a very focused on dialogue. There was not much action uh, that that happened, and even the action was was quick, simple things. Quick, um, yeah. it, it was just to establish certain moments and then build up uh, where Bob was in his cab um like night or it was just showcasing um you know just establishing shots so they they really did focus most of the time on like dialogue which i guess that might be something to be like thought of if you're give a page of dialogue it might not mean a minute like you normally would you know calculate well from the script that we read there was like a lot of like there's some typos and stuff so maybe like that wasn't the actual shooting script maybe that was someone transcribed it yeah that was that that was them doing it because there wasn't like the usual like numbers they put on the page to be like oh this is page one or something like that like or the acts or stuff so like that could have been like a transcription thing yeah so the episode starts off with it's bob outside hosing down something Oh, that's right. Bob's outside. He's hosing down like the front of the restaurant, and, and Gene, like the kids, yeah, Gene, are playing with, with the trash. Uh, are playing with like little fake boats of trash and stuff. And Pesto calls across, and he's like, "Hey, you missed a spot, Bob," and starts, starts talking shit about the mustache, which immediately makes the mustache important for for the episode. So that's like the first time we hear the the thing about the mustache. He tries to one up Jimmy Pesto, doesn't work out. So that's another kind of motivation for him throughout the episode goes inside and Linda tells him we got to do something special for Tina's birthday. So now we know that the episode is going to be about Tina's birthday in this scene. She starts breaking down why they need to do it. She's becoming a woman. She needs something special. And then they ask her what she wants. And she goes on this huge list of what she wants her birthday to be like. And Bob's like, "Uh uh-huh. No, no, uh uh-huh. No. But the most, the biggest thing she wants out of everything is she wants to kiss Jimmy jr. So we know what she wants, you know, and she it's set up from the beginning. So her her want is really clear throughout the entire episode because they keep uh, reinforcing it. Louise is training her how to kiss. She's tying things with her mouth, the banana peel and whatever else she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> she's chewing 100 pieces of gum. Uh, she's doing all these things. Bob, now she's that ta- she's being taught by Louise, who doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Right. Bob, who wants to give his daughter, you know, this birthday, 
says, we don't have enough money to do this. So Linda's like, go ask Mr. Fischoder for money or an extension on the rent or whatever. And he's like, uh, all right. So now we know what Bob's clear want is. So at the end of the scene, you know, he starts with the want. And at the end of the scene, the want for both Bob and uh, Tina is not like completed. Um, it's in, kind of like interrupted because he has to find a way to, to do that. So he has this want moves into the next scene where he goes and he talks to Mr. Fish Oder, and we have a, a classic Fish Oder scene where he's having a completely different conversation. <laughs> so talking about the fog and all that stuff. And he says, he's like, Mr. Fish Oder, I want an extension on the rent because I want to use that money to throw my daughter a birthday party. No, Bob. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, that, he always does that. He, he does do like a thing where he'll never help you directly, but he'll help you a different way. Like with the, the, the go-kart the kids like want to we want want him to you know sponsor their go kart and he's like me pay kids money how about kids pay me money and he like sells them a, like a bumper car for like right. I don't know like seven dollars he's like a terrible person but he's so whimsical you're like I like him when I found out it was Kevin Klein I was like of course Kevin Klein's playing that guy <laughs> the, I didn't the know balloon that. the balloon yeah. episode uh where they like are <laughs> the balloon episode where they're like uh but basically trying to cut down their rent by winning a balloon fight. Uh, it's, it's like a season finale. It's really good. They, and then they have them singing the 100 balloon song at the end, which is awesome. Anyway, back to the episode we're talking about. Mr. Fish so, Odor. Cool. So, so he wants in this scene, you know, he just wants the extension. That would complete his goal. And if he gave him the extension, the episode would pretty much wrap up there. So there's no obstacle. He'd be like, yeah, sure. Take the extension. Cool. We have a cool party. The episode would just go that. It would be back and forth pesto trying to convince him to like, do that. So it's an, it's an interesting thing that there's an A story and a B story, right? So he says, uh, no, but I'll give you a, a side job. You can make the extra money on one of my you know, side jobs that I have. It's, it sounds fishy. He's like, oh, it is. So he becomes a cab driver. So he doesn't get exactly what he wants. He gets part of what he wants, but he has to sacrifice, which is cool. And we were talking about before is – you either get what you want, you don't get what you want, you get part of what you want with sacrifice, or you get interrupted. So in this scene, he gets part of what he, what he wants. He gets a job, he'll get the money, he just has to sacrifice this week by driving a cab at night. Which is cool. That is, there's a completion of that scene, and it keeps moving forward. He goes back to, back to the house, it tells the kids he's going to be a cab driver, puts the hat on. I think everybody's happy. I think that's like a like a good scene. So mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe that scene in terms of wants and completion, but maybe it's an interruption scene just because everybody still wants the same thing, and then it's interrupted because he has to go to work. Well, it's really like a transitional scene, just setting up like going from A to C right now. It's like, oh, this well, this is what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to do it. This is like, hey, I'm say it's basically exposition. It's more or less like, I'm doing this. Cool. Yeah. Let's see how this happens. Then we set up a problem with the cat. Yeah. But just because like a scene shows a different location doesn't mean that it's actually a different scene. It could just be like a sequence of scenes that all kind of share one commonality. So this could just be the repercussions. I don't I actually I feel like I, I want to bring it up. But like I I feel like there's probably some someone saying like, this is going to pay a toll on you. Like this is not going to be easy. Uh, because it's not, and it's gonna—it's about to get really, really rough for Bob to the point where he ends up doing like crack later, right? You know, um, he thinks so he does crack. He thinks he does crack. That's a really um, good point, Manny, because it's like uh, a scene actually isn't completed until there is 
some sort of resolution. Saying that it's a bunch of sequences or even the start of a new sequence, if there's if he if that last scene was completed with half of the want like there, that's cool because then we're going something else. And then Rock was saying it's a transition scene, to me makes it makes me think, oh well then it's a beginning of a new scene. And then you're you bringing back up that it could be a sequence, um, it makes it more sense. Makes more sense to me. So I think it's the beginning of a new scene with the transition where we're going back to kind of restarting the wants for the episode, which that's what it feels like because, you know, he's going to work now and Louise starts training Tina and we start seeing all these cool little quirky montages of what's going on. Uh, Linda, I don't know that Linda has much that I can think of in terms of, she would, I guess she just wants the the party too. She wants the party, and she wants, and she's constantly like validating. She's kind of, she's kind of playing the like the the static role in a sense where she believes in a in a positive out outcome, and until she's proven wrong, and she's the kind of person that doesn't like doesn't believe that she's wrong until like the very end kind of thing, and I, it ends up working out really well. So she's like she's that voice that is just that constant, you know, positivity, which I don't think she has like an actual, I would say, you know, conflict because she's playing more of a supportive role. She's like the validator. She's like validating like Bob doing what, you know, what he's doing for his daughter, for his family. She's making him feel good. She's, she's like, Oh, my little two job, Johnny. Uh, (laughs) She, (laughs) you know, she's, she's like the positive force behind it all because she she wants everybody to get, what they want. She wants to keep the family together and make sure everybody gets what they want. And Gene's like a spectator at a car wreck. He's almost like an audience member, like just fucking chiming in when he needs to. Like, that's weird. I'd kiss Jimmy Jr. <laughs> like, you could take him out of the show. You'd be like, oh, okay. That's, he, he seems like a studio note. Like, we need someone talking about this shit. Well, I think uh, back to the scene, the tra- that transition scene, when they go back to after Mr. Fish Order, it, they start talking about, they start reiterating basically what the real want is. And Tina's want <clears throat> comes out more prevalent. Like, I don't care, really care about the party. It's more or less about kissing Jimmy Jr. to the point, like what Rocco was saying, where Gene has to respond is to to everything like he says like oh we're all kissing jimmy jr um so i think that's that also sets up the calm before the storm because right the next day goes right into tina like jumping into uh being trained by louise and then it goes right into uh basically bob transitioning uh from becoming you know going from his like apron to his cabbie hat and going out for his first night so it's it's kind of setting up it's almost like that. If you want to look at that as a separate scene, you can. But if you want to look at it as a sequence, it's continuing that thing where it's like, oh, this is calm, and it's it's gonna start, you know, getting difficult. Yeah, it is the calm before the storm. Like, yeah. ah, we figured everything out. Cool. Yeah, everything's gonna work yeah. out. Um, but they're not taking consideration, you know, mm-hmm. life. And if, so, and if if everything worked out, it'd be a boring episode. It's like, yeah, I got the cab job, and we could afford her thing, and then Jimmy Junior kissed her. Cool. Well, it Credits. wouldn't be realistic. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that this is a realistic show, but that's yeah. that's where I think that's where good storytelling comes from is seeming like we've the, all been the there. weird the weird weirdness and randomness of life is what makes. Uh, 
if you if that's in storytelling, then that makes that storytelling feel like it's a real life thing, even if fantastical and ridiculous things are happening. Well, yeah, um, and it's not even realistic. It's more like the conflict. There has to be like, oh, like he does that, but this happens, or else you're like not invested. Like if he just got, oh, he got a cab driver. Okay, cool. But if it's, he got a cab driver job, but he, but it's really t- hard for him, and the complications. Right. So you get if, even in his want, you get all these obstacles. So in his mind. Initially, it's like, oh, I'm just going to make some extra money and uh, drive the cab around for a while. And the, the guy gets in. He's like, hey, you're my first cabbie. Blah! <laughs> Obstacle one. Uh, then the well, next- I mean, we could also argue that same thing about creating this podcast, right? You try to start recording. And then the first time that you record it, uh, you have all these high hopes of how easy and simple it's going to be. But then you realize it's not that simple. And, you know, you record an recorded. entire episode and <laughs> it wasn't recorded. So I'm just saying there it's is the some – that's why I'm saying, like, it, it may be ridiculous things that we've never experienced and obviously may not ever experience because we don't live in a cartoon world. But that randomness is what makes it feel like, oh – Yes, yeah, it makes you want to get invested and kind of want to start rooting for the, the characters, but it, it also kind of makes you go like, oh, at least at least everyone's life sucks, you know? Like, But what's see, interesting I, about what happens there in these normal. episodes, even though that the episode makes it seem like it's random events, these are specific events to make those characters make choices. Oh, that, yeah, the writer's playing that, God to that, push that, them. That, but I'm, that, reveal, I'm, that reveal their character, which is yeah. a lot of fun for us as viewers because if if we look at it like this is season one episodes like had i mean that 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 blew my mind when we were reading it and i that still didn't click because i was like this has to be like a season six episode or something it's in the first season they're talking yeah he he resolves his but he also resolves a big problem that he never actually ever really resolves with jimmy jr or sorry jimmy pesto so it's like this is like a big episode exploring that relationship in a weird way. This episode almost kind of breaks the series because they never bring that up again. And like, wouldn't he say that every time he has a problem with Jimmy Pesto, it's like, hey, remember you like being in diapers? Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. So it's like, I feel like they're like, eh, it's our first season. Let's see how it goes. If we get canceled, fuck it. At least we have a good episode. But it's like. That's a good yeah. point. I didn't think about that. He could, yeah, he could just hold it over his head like forever. And then he doesn't have an antagonist anymore. He just has like, a, okay, well, Bob. I, I guess that's also another character reveal though, right? Because Bob is like, I bested you once. I'm not going to keep doing it. Like it shows who he is. He's not going to com- continue to be, you know, a dick in that way. He, he'd like to, he'd like to find another way to win. That's what it looks like to me. Where like Bob is like, all right, I got you today. Tomorrow's another battle. Bob's kind of petty, though, so I can see him being like, yeah, but he's very selectively petty. If you if you go through the series, like there's definitely plenty of moments where he his his uh, ignorance gets him in a lot of trouble. Like the first two things that pop in the head is when they go camping and he's the nature master (laughs) and then um, where they basically are, are trapped in like the wilderness uh, and he, and he like eats a trout that it makes him sick. And then he gets lost with Linda and they're both like naked in the forest trying to get back to the kids. And he's, he's like hallucinating, but he still thinks that like he's the nature master and that he can get them through it. And there's another one where like, he like buys some, action figurine or whatever that's like a helicopter from some arnold schwarzenegger movie i think true lies and it had it, like he breaks it or whatever and he just can't get over the fact that like the person that sold it to him 
you know, won't give him his money back. So he goes on this crazy vengeance thing where he buys like a $300, you know, uh, super duper ship just to battle the guy that you know screwed him over his forty dollars that he lost on the original thing so he he definitely i don't know he definitely lets that anger go but at the same time he's it's pretty i don't know he's pretty select i think selectively yeah. is a good way to say it because what you do notice throughout the series it's is about the principle as much as he goes back and forth with uh jimmy pesto you can see that Jimmy Pesto is a complete d bag compared to Bob. So yeah, remember even- the episode with uh, the when he finds out that like his restaurant with like a mobster was killed in it, and then Jimmy G- Jimmy Pesto like takes the plaque that he was supposed to get because he didn't want it and like starts like telling the story, and he's about to go in with the historian or like the town historian to like you know, call him out on his shit. And he's so happy telling or counting the story that he's just like, ah, let, let him, let him have his, his yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so he's, he's, he's a really awesome, like flawed character that we can like. I, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think there's like part of that relationship where they like having each other, like across the street from each other. Cause it gives them something to do. Cause yeah. they're kind of like, cause like he's a fucking father of three with a burger shop. He has an arch enemy across the street. At least it's like something I could always be like, because uh, Jimmy has that. I think Jimmy, like when Bob was in there once, he's kind of like, where the fuck's Bob? Like, I want to I want to torture him. Or, it, yeah. makes you, it makes you wonder if when they, whenever they, they wrap up the, the show, if they would do like a Jimmy Pesto dies of a heart attack episode and how that affects Bob. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, like, be, besides that, though, every moment that you find out more about Jimmy Pesto's life, the sadder you feel about him. Like, there's like the episode where they do like the family stuff or whatever, and you realize that like he doesn't have a wife and he has like these three kids, and you're like, oh man, that's that's gotta be difficult. No wonder you're a douche. Um, I could see see them like totally fucking him up to the point where like his restaurant goes out of business, like a taco stand. It's like, hey Bob, can I have a job? (laughs) Oh man. And at this point, they could do that, and it would be so freaking awesome and compelling. Yeah. Bob's like so, a good person, so, so 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 Bob goes. You know, we see him now, kind of struggling throughout the rest of the week, where he's not really sleeping, and he's working his nights, and he's going through these issues. And uh, he picks up the transvestites, and he makes friends with them. He makes a funny little joke, like "Who's picking up who?" <laughs> Just kidding, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> and he becomes it- friends with them. Now, here's something that was a little bit glossed over, right? Like, I, I don't see if you guys either noticed this or I'm going crazy. When Fish Odor tells him he has this side business for him, and he's like, oh, this is a little... This, he's like, oh, it sounds fishy. He's like, oh, it is Bob. Now, Bob is, like, driving the cab around, but then by the middle of the episode or the second part of the episode, he's literally just driving men to the transvestites. Yeah, and there's I, there's one scene you're not reading too far into it because i went i went i went over i went over the, all the action specifically um after we read through the script and there's a whole scene of just action where he goes and talks to a guy like it's all pantomimed he like goes to a guy the guy like you know makes like some gestures and then like does something like this and bob's like get in so he and he brings him over to i think it's a uh, glitter and then glitter like makes some pantomime things and then he like kind of feels like trepidatious but then he's like okay and then like they get in the car and then like that's the end of the scene so yeah he 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 does end up 
somehow becoming a pimp. Because he like, mentions it too. I think yeah, I'm a yeah, pimp. I think I'm a pimp, which makes me think there maybe in a previous draft or in a final draft, there's like a line where like, I don't know, fish odors connected to that part of the fishiness of it where like, you know, that's one of his businesses. So it's it's a very kind of like broad thing, and mm. again, that's like a fl- that's a flaw, right? Like if he was doing that, like he was like yeah. he was pimping out the transvestites. Because well, he also them, ends up doing crack with them too. Right. He didn't right. do crack. He thinks he did crack. He might have just got drunk and passed out. So so <laughs> it, this is all based on your moral barometer, right? But like, let's say he does. He he is helping he is p- helping pimp the transvestites. Then it's equalized by them him hanging out with tra- the transvestites and doing crack with them, supposedly, allegedly doing crack with them. So again, you take this character where it's like, oh, that's kind of messed up that he's doing that, and then it's like, well, I guess he feels like he's on their level no matter what because he's not. Yeah, he's but not, he's not taking no... advantage of them. I guess they're they're equally. Taking it and they like each other. They're friends. There's it's not no like he's pi- be- beating them. Yeah, yeah there's no, there's no pimp consequences. It's like <laughs> there's not like you know. Well, just because you say pimp doesn't mean that you have to assume the pimp that you automatically assume in your head when you caricaturize it. You got some good pimps. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying the term pimp. I'm Manny like David I, the Pimp Defamation League. I, I would assume that it just means cooking up connections and then it can turn into a broader thing where it's like you know there's professions and then there's he's he's like will ferrell and the other guys other stuff that happens where it becomes abusive and stuff but i'm just saying like i think they they're they're i <laughs> back I'm to the whole fact it. that this is not a kid's show but how it could somewhat be a family show because those parts aren't explicitly like kind of said they're just kind of thrown out there um it's the kind of thing where the kids can laugh but not know what they're laughing at and the parents can laugh and understand what they're laughing at but yeah i don't know it's just just an interesting thing to be able to like gloss over that and like a writer's room not say like we should detail that or no like that's that's enough like we don't need to cross this line it's like a very specific choice that works really well Bob always accidentally does fucked up stuff, but to the point where he's like confused. So it's like not really his fault. He's like, "Oh, am I doing this now? What's what's going on?" It's, so you're kind of like, "Yeah, all right, that's fine." Yeah, it's a weird gray area that not a lot of characters can live on. But I, I, I still think that a pimp would be watching this and going, "That's not pimping." Yeah, but then you got the opposite of someone being like, "That's disgusting." You that's, think well, that's yeah. terrible? How can you show that to children? Watch this. You, you know? think pimps like, watch this podcast? <laughs> no, but I'm sure there's some pimps that watch Bob's Burgers. So let's use this this thing now. Back at the ranch. Back at the ranch, we have. Oh, yeah. Let's say one thing really quick. I really like the the fact that the him picking up the transvestites is like handled that way. And another show would be like, ah, oh, this is weird. You know, like this is a weird city thing. But Bob's like kind of like really nice to them and gets along with them. And it's kind of like that's the best part of his night. Like in another yeah, he, show, he literally spends a week with them to the point where he even parties with them at the end of the week. Yeah. Like, know, like and, and they show, probably needed that that break yeah, yeah. just and as another, much as they did. And another show that would be like a one-off joke, like he had a weird night, but Bob's such a nice guy. He's like, oh, thank God. People have been puking in my car and being assholes. What do you guys do? You have sex with men for money? Cool. We can hang out. Yeah. <laughs> long- he probably <laughs> goes – he probably was picking up men specifically so he can hang out with the transvestites because they were probably better you know, cab, cab fares than yeah. – 
like you were saying, his drunken, you know, asshole. They're being nice to me and they're flirting with me. I don't care. I have low self-esteem. Cool. Get in. Yeah. So usually in a script or when you're telling a story, a good a good thing to do when you're leaving a scene is think like, well, meanwhile, back at the ranch. That's usually when it throws you back to uh, your B story, your A story, depending on where you're on. So meanwhile, Louise is still training Tina and telling her, like, this is what you need to do. She has off screen has sent Tina over to Jimmy Pesto's to make sure that Jimmy Jr. is coming to the party. And she comes come, comes in crying, and she has her shirt tied up like a little crop top. And Bob has just come home, and he's exhausted. And it's like, well, Jimmy, she's crying because Jimmy Pesto can't come. So it's like, oh, that's too bad. And uh, Linda, of course, is like, can't you go over there and talk to him? And he's like, uh, all right. You know, he's exhausted. He goes over there. Jimmy Pesto's talking shit immediately. Oh, you look terrible. You look like shit. And he's like, oh, okay. And he says something, and his like right hand man is like, kaboom! <laughs> you know, like he's got he's got his MC like you know hitting him up. So he's like, hey, can you just you know, again a character thing. Whatever problems me and you have, Jimmy Pesto, can you just like let them go and let your son come to my daughter's birthday party? And he's like, sure. You know, I just just I want a trophy. I want I want your mustache. Which infuriates Bob. Which maybe if he wasn't working twenty four hours straight, he might have like thought about. More clearly, yeah, he was not on a rational like headspace. Because even Tina says afterwards, like all you have to do is shave your mustache, just shave it. Yeah, (laughs) he was irritated. He was angry. He he was he knows he was trying to get bested by Jimmy, which wouldn't I don't think it would have bothered him if he wasn't working two jobs. You know, like I'm I'm humanizing him here. Like yeah, he just starts bartering. How about transvestite hookers? Are you interested in that instead? Because I I kind of got a side thing going right now. So he's like, no, you can't have a mustache. And Pestle's like, all right, so Jimmy can't go to the party. Damn it. So he goes back. Tina starts, so did you do it? Like the whole family's there waiting for him. Like dad's saving the day. So now, sorry, he can't come. Oh, man. Oh, Bobby. And I love this. This is what like my favorite line of the whole episode is, oh, you guys couldn't work it out? (laughs) No, Linda. (laughs) We couldn't work it out. That, that was that was the can't hardly wait line for me, Amanda. You know, like like uh, uh, taking it out on his wife, like a real a real thing you see with like couples, like just oh, like Linda. oh, you couldn't do this simple thing, like and like obviously I just I just fucking said it. You're making me repeat myself in front of the kids. What like let it go? I am tired. I just worked all this time. I want to go go to sleep. So <laughs> I just love that he's like, no, we couldn't work it out, Linda. I love that part of the episode. That's no, you, you don't have a story arc. I'm doing all the work this episode. It's like he won't he won't let Jimmy come unless I shave my mustache. And then the immediate thing is, oh, so he can come. Like there's no discussion of anything else. It's but just, but it, Tina's right. He can come. Right, but that's the cool thing that keeps the episode yeah. moving forward. Yeah, like, she, an, she another flipped. writer might have been like, Well, what do you mean by that? What what do you mean you need to like they start you would have start breaking down like the whole like reiterating what happened in the scene like so much more. And that they might, just yeah. they just go. Which that is amazing. A, that might have been in a previous draft, and they were like, "All right, let's we can actually cut to this." Yeah, which makes you think it's like you don't need that much dialogue when something like this is going on. You can just get to the freaking guts of it. So I just love that that it's like you know, no, I have to shave my mustache. Oh, so he can go? No, he didn't hear me. I have to shave my mustache. Well, if that's all you have to do, then you can't come. I'm not shaving my mustache. I hate you. You're the worst father ever. Boom. <laughs> scene, like scene over. You know, uh, you know why don't you do it? Because I'm not going to let Jimmy Pesto best me. No, forget it. And then she's like, well, I'm not going to the party. And then this is where 
Linda has her like little moment. She's like, "Your father's been working really hard here. You know his, you know what off? That's a good. His, you know what off all week." Oh yeah, because she's like, "Your your father's been working. You uh, you know what off?" And then Louise is like, "We're working. You've been working. You you know what off? I've been working my ass off." That's my favorite line in the whole episode. <laughs> Just like, the, "Fuck you! I've been I've been working at this, trying to get this girl to kiss." And that's a cool thing that they do a lot throughout the show too, where they leave out things that the audience uh, like knows the meaning of the sentence or knows the meaning of the joke. And whoever the character is saying is omitting that so that another character can fill it in with their own joke. So it's like you're getting double use of one joke. They do that a lot throughout the series, which is really cool. Um, so he goes back to work. He talks to the transvestites about the mustache and they're like, you can't shave it. Bob, it's majestic or whatever the hell they say to him. And then it's like, you know, do you get off soon? We should we should have a beer after this, you know, and smoke some crack. And it's like, what? Just the beers then? Which is a cool setup because you're like, oh, they're gonna go do some crazy stuff. He comes home and he's you know, he's drunk, he's tired, he allegedly smoked crack and tells Linda, I might have smoked crack or I might have liked it or not. He tries to uh, get it on with her, and then he slaps her away. He's like, get off of me, you idiot. <laughs> he has all these emotions, and then he ends it with, I'm like an animal! I'm King Kong! And he started beating his chest, which is, I mean, another really cool thing, because it's saying this guy, you know, had such a long week, he's been drinking, he might have tried drugs, now he's feeling all these hundreds of emotions because he's overly tired, and he has substances in his system so it shows like all these kind of like wavelengths of emotional feelings and actions which I are think, hilarious yeah. that you see that in like a 30 second span and it just reveals again so much about him i think he's like sleep deprived and drunk and he thinks he's on crack so he's kind of like leaning into that it's <laughs> like if you, like if you thought you were high you'd be like oh man i like i smoked so much pots I'm so hungry. Like, like what you've know, so you'd be like, ah, King Kong. So he's fucking, he's reading. They, they do a really kind of cutesy, funny thing where when they wake him up, she's chopping yeah. pickles yeah, off like his pickles face. Yeah, all over, all over him. Why which, make, which why it shows you. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, yeah. it shows you their their friendship, not just their like marriage, but their friendship. That she's just like, <laughs> like you know, being playful, like one, like just like an old yeah. friend that would like wake you up like with something silly. And she's like, "What do you think that was the first pickle I dropped on you?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's got pickles stuck all over to his thing, and he's upset because she's like, "Why do you let me sleep so long?" Like it's a half hour into the party. So now he's up. He's kind of got a better bearing on stuff. He's rested. He's thinking a little bit more clearly. Uh, Tina shows up to the party uh, unwillingly, and he goes out there, and the transvestites start showing up. And yeah, and it starts getting like uncomfortable, but then they solve all the problems. Mort's, the do, Mort's doing magic. In the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and they help him. You're right. They help him. Like, well, ba- the basically, issues. they make the party seem like it's really weird because then some like weird characters show up, then Marshmallow shows up and like takes off her fur coat and is wearing like you know like a basically a big thong that just covers her you know her entire body, and uh, it seems like it's getting like like oh shit, Bob made a mistake, X-ray and then party, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then basically he like ends up realizing. Uh, that he has to shave the mustache, but then right before he's about to give the mustache away, the trannies save him again by like letting him know about 
you know, Jimmy Pesto's weird habit. They talk to Tina first, right? They talk to Tina. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they say, like, you know, sweetheart, becoming a woman is. They give her all this perspective on becoming a woman as men dressed as women. And show her or talk to her about how she should appreciate Bob for what he's doing, how he's a great father. So, which is a cool thing because in the beginning of the episode, her want is she just wants to kiss Jimmy Pesto. Her need or her Jimmy Jimmy Pesto Jr. That's a different show. She wants to kiss Jimmy Jr. Uh, So that's her like clear want, but her like emotional need, which is something that like drives all characters is just like this feeling or at least this recognition of love. And she feels this recognition of love for her father. So now the need to kiss Jimmy Jr. is not there anymore. Well, if you want to, if you want to go even deeper, the real reason why she wants a kiss from Jimmy Jr. is because she wants to be loved. And if she's, basically being reminded, hey, your dad loves you no matter what, no matter what boy doesn't love you. So it's like that type of, I think that's what like is like the, you know, if you want to go super. Right. I agree with you. So Freudian. It's, it's, you can either get a want or a need and she ends up getting her need, which she doesn't overtly state so that, that her, her need gets fulfilled. So the want, you know, she could take it or leave it at this point, yeah. but then she gets both because. Well, it's because of the fact that she, What's funny is Bob is shaving his mustache before or during her finding out that she doesn't need him to shave the mustache. And then, you know, then the whole scene where she tries to apologize and says, you don't have to shave your mustache. And he's like, uh, I already shaved it. But no, dad, you don't understand. You don't have to shave your mustache. I don't think you understand how mustaches work, you know, like because it, it's already off. Yeah. Um, uh, you go back to a previous draft. You bitch, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I needed this. I don't care about you kids. This is all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so they break it. So so then, the, you know, they, they explain to her. So, but, but I think it's interesting to point out that she gets the need first. Then he still goes over there, and we find out that Jimmy Pesto uh, is a – he goes to the what? To Desire Dungeon? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a, a diaper. Fetish. He has a diaper fetish. He has a diaper he fetish. Baby num nums. Baby num nums. And then the one uh, transvestite says he likes to do – she does her hand like this, like nasty things or smelly things. She said something I can't remember, mm-hmm. like in his diapers. So he uses that t- for his advantage, even though – the the episode is now complete. He's like, okay, she's happy, she's having a good time. Uh, you know, this work, this was worth it. This week of sacrifice still goes over there, even though he doesn't have to. Has a little fun with Jimmy, saying, "Hey, baby, num num." And I love it that the visual is that the restaurant is packed, and he's just yelling this out, and people are just looking like that. And he's like, hey, hey, and he's being so friendly with Bob, and it's kind of like almost like, "Stop joshing me, friend," type of thing, like. The actual physicality of that animation is like really cool to watch. Yeah, because this, he's this like, guy's, this guy's a like, kidder. Yeah. I, I didn't do that. <laughs> We're like all laughing. A, not attacking him or punching him. It's like this kind of like friendly thing. It's so interesting. Well, it's also the exact opposite of how he was acting. He would normally <laughs> act to him, right? Like this, this he would never is... embrace Bob. Yeah. So it's really cool. And then he's like, okay, okay, okay. So, you know, you, I'm going to give you what you want. And then we cut to. Jimmy Jr. shows up to the party. They have this like dream weaver moment. Uh, she takes her glasses off. She just sticks her tongue out. <laughs> it's just like it could have got really dark if he was like, and he better fucking kiss her. And, Diaper boy. 
and Louise just shoves her into into him. And then after, it's like, I kissed my first boy. I kissed my first boy. So I just think it's really fun that you see a character that had a want, got their want, and then got their emotional need filled, too. Because you don't get that all the time in every show or every movie. You either get one or the other. So to get both in a fulfilling way when it doesn't feel 100% contrived, is I think is hard to pull off. And they do it so freaking seamlessly here. Like, it's just it's just brilliant. Um. So, like, everybody gets what they want and need by the end of the episode. Yeah, but you also can look at it that they're, you know, Bob and Tina's, both of their struggles and both of their, like, wants and needs are, like, somewhat not mirror images of each other, but they're in relation to each other. Sure, um, because Bob wants validation, basically, like respect for like what he's doing too. Not, not I, I think love is consistent because he's a father, but he wants some sort of like, you know, respect and and validation for what he's doing. Like recognize what I'm doing, and I don't think he would ever come out and say it. But Linda says it for him. Bob's want and needs are essentially the the same, or sorry, desi- uh, his wants and needs are the same thing, which is to be a good like fill in the blank basically father you know that like he's he's just reacting to what his family needs right um so he's he's like it's almost like he's him and and linda on autopilot like they're both uh, i guess well you know like i don't not a parent but like i guess like way they're they're approaching them as parents is like oh when child needs a you do you figure out how to get a uh they do it throughout the season where they don't have money but they figure out ways to do certain things that they shouldn't do but they will because they want to um like there's like a moment where like gene wants to uh like learn how to or linda wants gene to learn how to play baseball so they like she like sells Bob's like whatever uh, yeah. I think espresso maker or something like that. But it's just like put like they both are putting their you know children's needs like in front of theirs. And I think that's that's where like the I think that's where it like digs into Tina's story arc because it's like you're you need validation outside of your family. You feel you need validation outside your family where you have all this validation within your family. It's like the love was there all along. You didn't need Jimmy Jr. You know, like it they there's some type of connection between like the fact that the dad is just sacrificing and the daughter not seeing those sacrifices until it's literally too late where he has shaved off his mustache. To me, it's more like just understanding that you could take some real life stuff and just make it funny and educational so the stuff with like the transvestites there are people that would look at transvestites and be like ah freaks and there are people that are like well they're they're equal to us i'm not saying they're properly represented but i'm saying they're taking things that are in real life and they're using them for comedy and for teaching life lessons to show like we we can all be a part of these life lessons you don't have to be just a regular family that Mm. has an issue it's there's all sorts of different people that can have these issues and can help out with these issues. So to me, it's just taking serious subject matter and turning them into jokes and still having a message behind it. That's like, ah, oh, that's pretty touching. So that's my takeaway regardless. All right. I guess my takeaway is that how like uh, you don't really see the building blocks as they're happening. Cause like Bob 
he says he'll take the job as a cabbie to basically save Tina's birthday party. And he does, but he does it like inadvertently. He he gets the cab driver job and then he meets like, you know, the, the transvestite hookers and they end up coming to the party because he's you know, all messed up. And they end up a like telling Tina like to appreciate your father, and b they have like blackmail on Jimmy Pesto. So it's like this weird like, you know, he he had took the effort to to make progress on the problem, and it kind of like worked itself out through just kind of like you know weird happenstance, which is kind of like what the show's about. So I think that's cool, like because you you could trace it back, you could trace like every like action back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah. very cool. If. Mr. Fishwater would have just given Bob the money in the beginning. Like the entire episode wouldn't have happened, but also the resolution would have never happened. Um, Cause he had to, like you were saying, like he had to take the long road to get Tina, a nice party for him to get that validation from Tina in a weird way, but also for him to get that secret little extra cherry on top, which was, you know, shaving his mustache off, but not giving it to Jimmy Pesto and still getting what he wanted from Jimmy Pesto. So he got everything that he wanted because he took the long haul to get there. Because if he would have just gotten money from from Fish Odor, he would have just had a nice party and Jimmy Jr. would have never showed up. So he wouldn't have been the, the, the hero of a father. Um, but, you know, I guess that's what they're trying to showcase. This being... Doing something, you know, takes takes time, and yeah. you can't just go with a shortcut. Well said, Ristafis. <laughs> well, that was good. That's our wrap up for this week. See you next week. We know it all or nothing at all. We know it all or nothing at all. We know it all or nothing goes Such a mirage, I you dance around the mock.